Who the fuck's turn is it? <laughs> I don't even remember. It's yours. It's mine? Sure. Heather. A, B, C, D, or E. <laughs> um, let's go with C. I don't fucking know if I have anything for C. Random ass shit. What's some random ass shit? Um, did you know that Justin lost his wrestling match on Friday? Um, I did know that. He is not Chicago land champion. It's a bummer. Unfortunately. But it was a good match. It was a good match. Yeah. And that's what matters, Justin. You tried. Yes. Isn't that what they say? You try. <laughs> uh, yes, kind of. No, um, it was it was great. No, it was um, it was a very good match. I'd say it was the best match of the night. Not even bringing on some bullshit because you and the guy you were wrestling were obviously professionals. Yeah, and it was the fuck you were doing. And you know, sometimes that's not what you get. That's your match was. Well, I appreciate that, guys. And it was very cool having y'all there. Heather waved my living proof flag as I came out. I was so nervous about that. I was like, I'm not going to wave it right. It's going to like be folded up or something where it's not going to actually wave. So I'm glad I did it. Okay. Yeah, you did great. And like you said, man, it was, it was really cool that just to be there and to be at a show that celebrates black wrestlers and, Afterward, the reception was great. So it looks like I'm going to be back, guys, sooner rather than yeah. later in Chicago. So maybe we'll get some more special recordings like this in the near future. Yeah. And did you guys also know that Justin will have been on, by the time this comes out, will have been on last week's episode of the Happy Corner podcast. Not as a guest. He's in the audience. But you can hear him. He will have said things. So you can nice. check that out. We are in uh, the Happy Corner Studios right now yeah. recording this. I say all this like this is not the recording studio essentially that I set up. But <laughs> <laughs> I don't I don't typically record in here. I, I record in my own little personal studio. But this is this is where the Happy Corner podcast records. If you cannot tell by the the banner that is behind Justin and Heather over there. I'm in the producer's chair, mm. as I typically am, with mixer and whatnot in front of me. But with all that, uh, what's something else? Is, he, is there anything else? Oh, we, uh, shout out to the Hollywood Palms Cinema. That's where we went and saw this movie we're talking about just a few moments ago. Yeah. And it is a very unique theater. Yes. Yeah. I would say probably the nicest one I've been to a movie in, probably. I might have to agree with you on that. It was very neat setup. The whole kind of a lot of green waterfall kind of had a it's, wildlife. It's a it's a King Kong. Yeah. yeah. Okay. When you walk in. So like the gates you walk through to go to the movies is meant to be like the King Kong door gate things or like for Skull Island, wasn't there gates on Skull Island or doors? Yeah, because mm -hmm. don't they bring those with King Kong to like? Yeah, yeah, it's mm -hmm. that type of scenario. 
uh, is what they're meant to be set up as. And they've got a ton of, of posters and whatnot. Some problematic because they're old. I mean, yeah. you can almost argue the theater where we were in is kind of littered with problematicness. Because we were in a, an, it was kind of, it's an Asian themed theater. Um, kind of to mimic the, you know, that, that famous Chinese theater in LA. Mm-hmm. Is it Brahms or something like that? Or Groms or whatever the fuck that thing's called. Yeah. And uh, so they've got a bunch of old movie po- posters. So they've got like one that's something, something like Dr. Fu Manchu. And you're kind of like, oh, the thirties. <laughs> How fucking great were they? <laughs> right. Yeah. And then they've got a poster with just Kevin Spacey's terrible ass just right on it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you're just like, ugh. Kevin Spacey. Yeah. It got to the point to where when we were looking around, I was just asking myself, how many posters could would actually still be here if you had to you remove would, the problem? You would have to get rid of all the Stanley Kubrick posters. Yeah. You'd have to get rid of all the Alfred Hitchcock Alfred posters, Hitchcock. all the fucking old ass Charlie Chaplin posters, because he had some sex with some minors, because you know. People are shitty. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, probably half those posters would be gone. Yeah, but there's mm-hmm. tons of posters they could put up. True. Non-problematic posters. Like, I know it didn't go to theaters, but man, they should put a poster of Prey out there. Because it's just fantastic. Right. That'd be cool. Yeah. yeah. I agree with that. But. I did hear that there's talks of a Prey too, mm. but I don't know how valid that is. Isn't Prey 2 just Predator? Probably, maybe. <laughs> it might be, yeah. I mean, no, I I mean, the thing is, is I don't necessarily want them to do the same people, though. Okay. I don't necessarily want a direct sequel to that movie. Because hmm. it was good. Leave it be. Let it be its own do thing. Do Predator shit and just have it be somewhere else. Yeah. yeah. You know. That's fair. A lot of people were talking about doing one in, like, feudal Japan and having something like a... Uh, uh, somebody like, you know, like a predator kill like a lord and all these people making one of the samurais of Ronin. And so he has to go and track down the predator. I yeah. love that idea. That's a, that would be really cool to see. My only issue with that is there are so many movies and stories of just, oh, now the Ronin samurai. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, if they could do it good, you know, Who's to say that's a bad idea? Really? So. Yeah. I I still wouldn't object to a Batman versus Predator movie. I mean. I would. No, don't object. I mean, <laughs> I think it would be, it's like the perfect time for it. Like comic book movies are in. You wouldn't have to explain either character. You don't have to do the Batman origin. You don't have to do an origin for Predator. That's the problem, though, Justin. They would figure out a way to shoehorn to his Thomas and, and Martha Wayne being murdered by a Predator or some shit. <laughs> oh, God. That's what they would do. Please. That's my problem with it. Please. That's why I'm not on board with it. Please don't do that. Because I don't want to see the Batman origin story again. And they just can't. Hollywood is physically <laughs> incapable <laughs> of having Batman in a movie and not throwing the origin in there. You know? So that's why I'm I'm kind of against that idea. Man, Justin. you're probably right, but man, it would be so awesome. But like 
it, they'd change it to where it's something like the guy was like about to run away, but then a predator scared him. So he shot him <laughs> and then he, he, t- he takes the pearls and runs and then a predator kills him because he's a threat because he has a gun and killed people. So then the predator kills him. And so in the, at the end of the movie, when Batman beats the predator, it ends up getting back his mother's pearls <laughs> as the reward. Oh, man. I hate you. But you know I'm 95% correct that that's what they do. And that's the problem. Yeah. There's somebody would probably try to make it some sort of journey about him and his parents' death when really it should just be Batman versus the Predator. What more mm-hmm. do you need for that? <laughs> what more do you need for that? And that, that therein lies the rub, Justin. So. Anybody else got any random shit to talk about? Mm. No, not, I don't. No, not on my end. Man, we are just jumping right into it. Yeah. Just like we jump into these tunes. Fans and welcome back to another episode of the Cinema Slayers podcast. I am Sterling, and as always, I am physically joined by Heather and Justin. And tonight we are going to talk about what we liked, didn't like, and everything in between with the movie Honk for Jesus, Save Your Soul. It is so good to be back in charge of the little soundboard. (laughs) (laughs) I was so lost when Justin did it. I'm just so I'm so used to doing it. I'm like, that's my job. Like Phantom doing the buttons. Yeah. <laughs> like I felt like a part of me was missing. Right. Because I didn't have the soundboard on me. It had to be in front of Jastin. It was kind of fun though. Was, I'm not gonna lie. It was kind of fun doing your job. But that's why we moved into this. That's why we decided to do this episode in the studio. This is a definitely a so we're not all cramped. Yeah. I mean, you guys are next to each other, but you know. You're not cramped. Yeah, we got yeah, we got some little 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 elbow room. Yeah, and I get to lounge back here. Mm. I get the fancy chair. These chairs are pretty comfortable, though. And I don't have to. Yeah, those chair, that style of chair you guys got. That's what I have in my downstairs studio. Nice. I have one of those. I don't think it's bad. I feel like I should invest in it. It's more comfortable than my chair for sure. Or you should get one like this one. This one's very even better. Yeah. And you fixed the cameras because I did. A while ago, the camera was fairly stretched, and it looked like I had big breasts. So I'm really glad the stone fixed that. <laughs> Otherwise, yeah. we'd be getting viewers for other reasons. But Justin, this is views. this is 2022, man. If you want big breasts, go ahead, man. That hey. doesn't make you less of a man. Hey, I didn't say that. I'm, I'm just not, saying I'm not opposed to any fun bags. But I'm just saying that you know, I I'm opposed I don't to the word to lie to people. Also, <laughs> I don't want to lie to people. Also, it's know? not really lying, Justin. You have rather large pectoral muscles. 
But boy, they was looking like titties. So, I mean, I just, you know, and I don't want to lie to anyone. I don't want anybody to be like, oh, hey, you were just trying out a new look. It's fine. (laughs) You know, you were like, man, I'm thinking about it. Let me see how I look. I obliged. So that's all. It's fine. You know, I I am glad, though, Justin, that even in person, you're refusing to wear sleeves. I, you're going to really have to explain to me what sleeves are. I don't really understand the concept or understand we, why it exists. Cinefans, we went to a really nice dinner the other night. And Justin just rolled up into this rather nice restaurant with a button-down shirt that he had professionally altered to have his sleeves removed. But it, was with a nice, it had a nice hem, though. It had a nice hem. So, you know, it just wasn't, you know, a hack job. And then his suit jacket was just like an inch over that, kind of giving him like like shredder shoulder pad type of thing going on there. <laughs> I'm just kidding. He wore double sleeves. Yeah, I actually That's did. Right. You, you had more sleeve coverage than I did that night. Yeah. Because even I though did. I was wearing a button down, I rolled up the sleeves. Like I, I do like this. It's I, I do this with every long shirt ever. I either roll up the sleeves or I push them up. Yeah, I'm the same way. You know, so maybe I kind of get it. I just don't do full arm like you. You're just like, hey, I'm going to the gun show. And I'm like, hey, I'm going to the paintball gun show. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, man, I'm sorry. I always got to, you know, I don't own any guns. Or maybe I do. You know what I'm saying? Different types of guns, you know. um, (laughs) Did you really just fucking do that? You know this is going out in the public, right? (laughs) You know this video is going to be out there for people to see. I'm just saying. You know that, right? And you brought him up. It just seemed like a great opportunity. <laughs> yeah, but that's such a, like, 15-year-old thing to do. I'm going to the gun show. <laughs> gun show. <laughs> oh, no. Just saying. Hey, come on. I had to. Come on. I'm, a, I'm young at heart. I'm a child at heart. Or maybe I'm just a grown-ass kid, like Kanye West said. Who knows? But I'm yeah. saying you're an adult. <laughs> so don't do that shit. <laughs> I'll think about it. All right. I'll think about it. All right. That's fair. And on that note, hey guys. Thanks for listening and watching. Like I said, we're gonna we're gonna be talking about the movie Honk for Jesus, Save Your Soul. We will talk about what we liked, didn't like, and everything in between. We will go spoiler free recommendations and scores and then into a more spoiler centric section. And with all that We'll go to our resident church expert, Heather. Resident church expert. What are, what are your thoughts about <laughs> honk for Jesus? That feels like a like a pressure kind of thing. Um, you have gone to infinitely more church than me. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> and at least double the amount of churches, Jastin. Probably more. That's probably true. But let's just be let's be conservative here. At least double Jastin, and an infinite amount more than me. Yeah. Well, this one, I don't know. And we're really fresh off of like seeing this movie. So I feel like I'm still sort of processing my full feelings on this movie. It's, I mean, it's like satirical, you know, but at the same time, it does have some very serious, heavy elements to it. And I think I liked it, which is weird to say because at surface level, it looks like it could be making fun of 
you know, religion and churches and things like that. And in a way it is, but not in the way where it's like mocking people who are religious. They're doing it in a way that's more of mocking the people who are fake about what they believe in to have a gain for themselves. It's, it's more, that's what it's kind of making fun of. And I think that's why it didn't really strike a nerve with me in like a negative way. Um, but I think it was, it was really, I, I think the performances were excellent. Like Sterling K Brown is the insanely perfect amount of like charismatic to play a mega church, super energetic, high level pastor. And Regina Hall was an amazing, you know, pastor's wife type of person. And just the way they deliver their performances is so, so good. And I think that that is what really kind of carries this movie because of what they are sort of trying to do with it. You have to have that right balance of being able to be sort of funny and over the top, but at the same time have those serious moments where you can get real and show actual emotion and things. And so they were the perfect amount of that, which I think is a great thing about this movie for sure. Um, I mean, I think it's, it definitely has, you know, it's not at all a perfect movie. Um, and they kind of film part of it sort of like a documentary style where people are following them around with cameras, sort of getting into their day-to-day life. And that made it interesting. It, it added an interesting layer to it. Um, I, I personally didn't mind that. I think it was kind of interesting how they did it. Um, and, but I, I do think that it could have benefited from maybe a little bit less of that at times, but overall, I think what they were doing with that fits into the type of movie they were trying to make, if that makes sense. So I, I did like it overall and how they did it, but I don't know. I think it's just, it's one of those movies that is very, just, it has controversial things in it. And I think that that would be more, it's, you, you, you can like the movie, but not like what it touches on, I guess, if that makes sense. So, but I think at the same time, I'm glad that they touch on some of these things that aren't really talked about in a correct way a lot of times. And I think that the way this movie sort of um, kind of fleshes out what they want to talk about and the the issues that this particular church and pastor are having, I think that's done really well because it's, I think, realistic in a sense with modern Southern churches sort of and sort of kind of the the culture of what Southern mega churches kind of are, right? And I've been to several mega churches and so I've seen what that's like. So I think that they portrayed that in a very realistic way, in my opinion. So I think they did a lot of things interesting. Like, I don't know if I'd say right, kind of, I guess it is right, but it just, the movie in itself is just so interesting because it's like, you don't want to fully say, or I can't really fully be like, oh, that movie's hilarious. You know, it's not that type of thing, but you're not like, oh, that's the greatest story I've ever heard either. But it's an interesting satirical take on modern churches and what so many like religious leaders are kind of actually about. And it was interesting. So I think I mostly liked it. Justin, what about you? 
So even though I'm not the church expert that Heather is um, <laughs> at this moment in life, um, this hit home to me in a lot of ways just because um, the church that I was associated with um, growing up back at home in Midland, Texas, I saw a lot of parallels in certain characters' behaviors. I saw a lot of parallels in Sterling K. Brown's character in my own pastor at that time. Um, and I've visited some mega churches myself. So I definitely get the sentiment, Heather, that you were talking about when you were saying um, some of these things and these themes feel familiar. I definitely felt some of that. And some of the music I even recognize, you know, they pulled a lot of music from like popular, it was popular gospel music that I heard most of the time. And some of the songs I even recognize and it kind of just brought me back to like sitting in church or watching my choir sing those songs. I vividly remember some of those songs because like there were black artists that, you know, did those songs of God's property and stuff like that. You know, I, I recognize some of the music in this too. So it really did kind of bring me back to an older time. Um, what I appreciated about it was something that you touched on is that it's a satire about organized religion and just some of the problematic people you have in that, some of the problematic ideals as far as just like some of the toxic masculine stuff and the patriarchy and stuff, a little bit of that is in there. The, the, the stuff about, I think, women, you know, and like just kind of how they're viewed, how they're treated, how they view themselves, different things like that. You know, there are some subjects that this touches on that are very familiar to me, you know, some things that I saw women experience in church. Um, I think that all of those things are important things to talk about. And like you said, Heather, it never felt like it was saying this is what religion is or this is what all religion is. But I do think it definitely was saying that these people exist and people that want yeah. these types of things exist. And this type of sort of predator in the church, whether it be a predator of people or a predator of money or a predator of status or a predator of fame. These types of predatory behaviors exist in this type of institution. So I think that that was an important aspect of this too. So all of that I enjoyed. And that's why I do think the film is more good than bad because it did feel like it had um, a lot to say. Unfortunately, I just don't know how much of this lands by the time we get to the end of it. Or maybe I should say how much of it lands effectively. I think some, it's just one of those where it's kind of hard to just pinpoint. Maybe as we dissect it in the spoiler section, I'll have a better idea of, of how to exactly put it. But I feel like things definitely land. Like there are some things that are definitely um, 
that that I felt, and there are some things that I felt did come across in the end, but I felt like the landing wasn't as smooth as it needed to be. I wondered if maybe we could have expounded on some things. I felt like there are some storyline or just storytelling elements kind of missing to really gel and put this all together. And, um, and unfortunately for this to be a satire and for it to have a very comedic side, I'm not sure how the comedy landed. There were times where I definitely felt like I, the movie wanted me to laugh and I was just kind of like, Okay, but that wasn't funny. Yeah, that kind of happened a little too much for me. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> totally. You you know, you could tell it was a joke. Yeah. Yeah. And you might, you know, you might be amused by it, but you're not like. <laughs> yeah. And sometimes it felt like some of the jokes are too inside based on the subject matter. Like. Maybe if you knew a pastor like Sterling K. Brown, he says or does something. And maybe a person who is familiar with uh, with an exact person who's like or a pastor or preacher who's like Sterling K. Brown, that individual might look at what Sterling K. Brown Mm -hmm. is doing and go, ha, that reminds me of Pastor this or Pastor Matthews or whatever. Ha, Yes, he would say something like that or ha, that's funny because that reminds me of my pastor. If you don't know anybody like that, you're just going to be like, okay, that was a weird kind of quirky thing to say. So there are jokes in this where I don't feel like it lands as a universal thing. I I mean, maybe Hmm. some some of it did, but I think some of it, it, you would almost have to be a certain type of person. To laugh at some of the things that it does. And maybe that's on purpose, but, you know. That's a good point. When you're critiquing this, I think that's important to say. So, yeah, I think that overall, that's just sort of kind of where I land for it with it. Not all the comedy worked for me. I don't know if all of the lessons landed in the end and the message that the film was trying to convey. And so that to me... And then also just the way that they told the story, I think they needed to make some better decisions to keep it more interesting because you are just really just looking at two people perform most of the time. And a lot rides on that. And sometimes that can be a good thing. But in a story like this, I wish more relied on the storytelling and seeing events and different things like that. I think this needed more of that, even though I did love both uh, Sterling K. Brown and Regina Hall's performances. So, yeah, so so that's where I landed. A bit of a mixed bag. It's definitely more positive than negative. But, uh, yeah, I, I, I wanted this to be like a home run. And unfortunately, I don't think it is that completely. Well, as the resident Sterling expert on the podcast, <laughs> I can say I did enjoy Sterling K. Brown. I enjoyed Re- Regina Hall. I thought both of their performances were fantastic. They, they were both nuanced. They had multiple levels. And I think they did the most with the characters that were written for them. 
I think the script leaves you wanting more. I think the direction leaves you wanting more. I think the pacing leaves you wanting more. Like there were times when I was okay with the whole documentary, documentarian uh, theming to a lot of it. But then they also do a lot of parts that are not being filmed by the documentary crew. And those were really great too. So they kind of go back and forth a little bit. I think it would have just been better to just have it be about their lives and get rid of the documentary part of it. I think that would have been a little bit better in the end. And to me, the pacing was just kind of all over the place. There are times Mm -hmm. they linger on certain things and it really kind of just made me want it to, to, to move on. And it doesn't. And it just lingers. And I'm like, okay, we, we, we get it. I just don't know how much more of it, this scene I want. You know, but I, I mean, I like the fact that it did succeed on a satirical level of you punch up, not down. Because kind of like a combination of what you guys said, it satirizes organize, organized religion. It satirizes mega churches. It satirizes the leadership of mega churches, but it doesn't satirize churchgoers. Really, you know what I mean? There are some small examples of it, but to me, those were just parts of the story and not satirical. And then, so you're not punching down at just people that believe in God. You know, you're 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 punching at the the power structure. You're punching yeah. at the 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 power of it all. Mm-hmm. And that's what good satires do. Yeah. You don't punch down, you punch up, you know. And and, and in that regard, I, I would say it succeeded. It's just like Justin said, in the end, does it succeed as smoothly as you want it to? You know, I like what you said, kind of like landing a plane. Was that landing as smooth as it, as it could have been? You know, was it a little bumpy? Did they maybe bounce off the runway a little bit and come back down? It's just not as smooth as you'd want. But I kind of err a little bit on the side of you guys, too. I think it is at least slightly more positive than negative. You know, it's just I think it needed needed a little bit more focus than it had. Maybe to me, that's what it lacked the most is just a real good sense of focus, like knowing what parts of it it wanted to satirize, knowing where they wanted to go with the satire and how far they wanted to take it with those characters. I mean, there's a great scene where Sterling K. Brown and Regina Hall are rapping in their Escalade. And it's fucking fantastic. Yeah. (laughs) It's a great scene. Yeah. Yeah. Where the fuck does it really fit in the rest of the movie though? True. Totally yeah. everything. Because it, it really is like secular music. It's not what you would expect from pastors and all this stuff. Mm-hmm. But they don't really delve into anything else like that for the rest of the movie. Mm. So it kind of leaves you wanting a little more in that regard. You know? Mm. And that's kind of sad. Because like I said, it was just kind of all over the place with it. Yeah. You know, 
the only argument I really get for that scene is the fact that it, it was one of the scenes, it was one of the first scenes in the movie that shows them not being filmed by the documentary crew. And so it's like showing who they are outside of that. Yeah. But then they do several other scenes like that. They don't even still really capture the tone of that. You know? So, like I said, it lacked that focus of where it really wanted to go with what elements. And it just could have used a little more of that. Um, yeah, that's all I got for now. I'll say more when we get to the spoilers. Uh, you guys ready for recommendations and scores? Yeah. Yeah. Recommendations and score. Uh, Justin, go. Yeah. I, I think it's, it winds up being good enough for me to recommend. I found it funny. I, I think for the most part, I think that it did have some interesting, it's an interesting satire with some very interesting views and kind of like what Sterling was saying with the whole punching up and punching down, it does satirize this the right way. So I think overall I was entertained um, and I liked it. And it's just, and also it's kind of unique to me. It's a unique movie. I can't say that I've quite seen anything like it this year. So I think if you're looking for something that's kind of a different flavor and you're looking for, um, and, and if you're somebody who is passionate or at least at the very least has some familiarity with this subject matter, you know, I think this is something that you will uh, appreciate. So, yeah, you know, I, I think that that's enough strength within the film to recommend it. So I've been flirting, fighting with this score and just flirting around with different numbers, but I think where I land is a positive score, but a number that reflects more of a bumpy positive score. So that lands me probably in the 70s somewhere. So we'll just go with a flat 70. Regina Hall's shaking their butts on the sidewalk for Jesus Hawks out of a hundred. Heather, what about you? I mean, especially after hearing your guys' kind of take on it too, the best word I can think of for this is it's an acquired taste. Um, I think you're right, Jastin, about how you, you, you're not going to understand it if you, if, if you're not in the, that world of, you know, churchgoers and pastors and the different types of, you know, sermons and pastors and things like that. Like it's going to go over your head with a lot of the little subtle things that they try to do the satire about. Um, so I do think it's an acquired taste. And if you know, I, I think that if you're sensitive to those types of things, it might be a little bit harder for you to want to watch. But for me, being as somebody who is a churchgoer and has been to many mega churches, I I found it, I guess, in a sense, I don't know if I'd say insightful, but I, I found it um, 
maybe relatable is the best word I could say for it. I did think it was a relatable movie for better or for worse. So for that, you know, I, I think I could recommend it if it's, if you feel like it's your, your taste. And if you feel like you won't be sensitive to the subject matter that they're trying to do a satire of, um, it's, and it is interesting because it's one of those, like you, it, you get a lot of insight, but at the end of the day, you don't really feel like the movie changes anything. Like, it's almost like it's just telling a story of this is the type of stuff that can happen in this environment, but it doesn't really give you any necessarily like feeling of a resolution of some kind in any sort of way, like in the long run. So I feel like that's kind of why it falls a little bit flat because it just feels more like it's a one-off story about a situation like this, you know, where you just, you're not, I, I kind of in a weird way equate it to like, um, black Klansmen with like the movie was funny. It had some, some of those like silly moments, but at the very end of it is super surreal. And you're just kind of like, this makes me feel like I need to do something better with my life <laughs> kind of attitude at the end of that movie. This one doesn't necessarily do that. I don't think it delivers the message quite in the impactful way they might hope it would. But again, maybe that's not what they were going for. I feel like with the subject matter they have in it, though, and sort of at least towards the latter half, how they address things, I feel like they were trying to go for that. But in the end, it doesn't really it's not saying much. It's saying a lot without saying anything that you can do to really change the subject matter necessarily that they're talking about, if that makes sense. So for that, you know, it does lose some points, but the performances are so good. The fact that they're even talking about the things they were talking about. Um, I commend them for that. And I think they did it in the kind of like what Sterling said, they, they did the best they could with the material they were given. So um, I actually think I'm going to fall sort of in the same category as Jastin with it. I'm going to give it 70 um, colorful Prada suits out of 100. I honestly have I'm having a hard time recommending this, but at the same time, I'm having a hard time not recommending it. I'm my recommendation is go watch the trailer. If you like the trailer, go watch the movie. If you don't like the trailer, then don't watch the movie. Like I know that's that fair. that's fair. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I know that seems like a little simple, but I'm like, if you don't like the trailer, you're not going to like the movie. Yeah. For sure. And the only shot you're going to have of like in this movie is if you like the trailer. So that's what I'll say because, you know, maybe there were some deep church elements in this movie that just go the fuck over my head, you know, and things like that. So maybe I missed some of that because I am not of the church going ilk, but I don't want it to be something where you, the movie to say the movie's not good necessarily because that, because it's also got a certain demographic it's, it's, it's going after, you know, but I don't know. We'll see. Um, I'll give it, I'll give it 65, 65 Sterling K Brown does look really good in a Prada suit out of a hundred. 
Dude is ripped, man. Yeah. It's crazy. That too. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Man, he was a great I would shape. not even expect that at all. <laughs> I was like, yeah. Regina dunk him in the water. He needs to cool down a little bit. Uh spoilers? Yeah. Yeah. Spoilers. So right before this movie started, one of the last trailers for it was a trailer trailer for the movie Brothers. Anyway, that doesn't know it, or bros, I'm sorry, bros. So if anybody doesn't know what that movie is, it's a, a LGBTQ uh, I plus rom-com. And every single cast member in it is LGBTQIA plus. Everyone. And the trailer happens. As soon as this, it ends, somebody in the fucking audience of this movie just goes, gross. And I bet it sounded like he thought he was going to get like a, like he thought he was going to get a really good reaction out of it. You know, but he didn't. Mm-hmm. Like, the, the theater was just silent as fuck when he did that. And so I thought that was funny. But then this movie starts playing. And the, the big scandal is that this uh, Sterling K. Brown character, um, pastor of a megachurch who has also condemned homosexuality and all those things, um, you know, was more or less caught making love to men's. You know, or was quote unquote accused of, you know, but through through the context of the movie, you know, as he did it, like they don't hide that. They don't leave it ambu- am, uh, am, ambig- ambiguous, that word. I don't know why the <laughs> fuck that caught me. I've said it before. Um, but yeah, it's not ambiguous at all. There's no, there's no doubt in your minds that he is dabbled at least in sexual relations of somebody of the same uh, sex as him. You know, that's fine. And, you know, should that be the end of the world for anybody's career? No, not really. It shouldn't be something that ruins somebody's career or life or anything like that. You know, you be you. But, you know, because he's mega church pastor who has been openly against it. Yeah. Scandal. Um, and I thought it was so funny that that was his scandal. After that guy's like, yeah. Ugh, gross, gay people. I wonder if they stayed for the movie. I I meant to actually see if they were still up there, but I didn't, I couldn't. I don't know. There was tell. a few people it could have been. Yeah. But like, it was just like, that's fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> I wish they had gone further with it. Just because of that man. I wished that there was just be like, Shit in the middle of that movie that puts Brokeback Mountain to shame. (laughs) I wanted to see Sterling K. Brown passionately just having a fuck fest with as many guys as possible. (laughs) Just to piss that fucker off. That's all I wanted at some point. I was like, oh my God, I hope we get so much gay sex in this movie. Sadly, we didn't. But... You know, it's heavily implied that's what he was doing. So I'm like, oh, at least there's that. But, yeah, that made me happy, though, that that's, that was his scandal just because of that guy. You know, <laughs> that just was great to me. Um, you know, my issue with it, like, uh, the issues with this movie, though, to me, 
Where, like I said, it lacked focus with some of that stuff. There's that great scene, like, man, uh, what song were they rapping? Um, Nuck if you buck. Yes, yes, yes. And they and they were fucking going hard on it. And it's just it a awesome. fantastic scene. Because at first you think Regina Hall is like. Why are you At doing least this? annoyed. <laughs> yeah. That he's doing that. And it, right when she gets that look on her face of, oh, she's annoyed. She just fucking goes hard on that next verse. <laughs> yeah. She just awesome. takes it. And I loved it because it, it showed. Weirdly enough, their connection. Yeah. I thought in a really fun way. And then it goes away. Yeah. You know, and like there were some scenes here and there. Like I liked the their, their unified anger at this other church choosing to open up on the same day as them. Yeah. And I liked the retaliatory passive aggressive anger that that, that pastor couple yeah. had back at them. So much so that whenever they changed their dates, so did they. Yeah. And I love how transparent it was when they were like, oh, did you know that? And they were like, oh, no, we would have never done that. To them. <laughs> and you, and, and yeah. but even though it's never directly said, I will, I, I appreciate the fact that that was also not ambiguous. Yeah. You knew she yeah. was saying, oh, you're damn right. We did that. And they say a lot of things without saying anything in this movie, which is really good. And they were yeah. fairly good at that. I, I, I don't think there was too much that was ambiguous. It's just the problem is, is they didn't know what they were unambiguously saying half the damn time. <laughs> Th- those scenes when it was honk for Jesus mm-hmm. day after day after day after day. I get that it was meant to be monotonous to show what, especially the Regina Hall character was going through for it, but it shouldn't feel monotonous as an audience member. You shouldn't be sitting there going, move the fuck on, please. Just give me something. Do something different. And by the time they got to the end of that scene, when they're confronted by one of the past lovers of the Curtis Lee Sterling K. Brown character, that scene's fantastic. Yeah. It takes so long to get there to it, Mm. though. Yeah. And like I said, I get that they're supposed to show the monotony. It's just you shouldn't feel monotony when you watch it. Yeah. You should maybe feel pity for Regina Hall or feel their desperation. I shouldn't feel like, next scene, please. Right. And that's what I was doing by the end of that, you know. And as much as, like, there were the, the, you know, he was the mega pastor and all these things, I do kind of find the idea. And maybe it was meant to be satirical. At this particular scene, but the whole thing when he was like doing the, she was like, oh, we need to Christ mime. Mm. And like get her in makeup to do this. I'm like, if you were the type of person that's got Bugattis and Jets and Prada suits and you're able to at least put together an outfit with the flair that he did. And you could tell when he was, when they were practicing the sermons, the type of flair he could put in shit. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You're telling me his best idea was Christ miming? Mm. Yeah, I didn't buy that either. And I get that that might have been the like the satirical point of like, oh, like this guy thinks that that works or whatever, whatever bullshit they were trying to maybe mm-hmm. say with that. 
you just don't buy it with this character. You can still satirize it and make a joke out of it in a more effective way. Mm-hmm. You know, I th- and I think that they should have shown more of his obvious charisma, extravagance, and flair. Extravagance and flair. Yeah, they should have shown more of him having that, and it just not being enough. You're right because I feel like with his character, it would have made more sense for him to be like, let me pay a bunch of people to come out here and do this, you know, like a big band with trumpets and all this crazy stuff. And it'd still be like, Oh, nobody wants to come. Like that would have made oh, more sense for his. This character. is Atlanta. You get a yeah. fucking collegiate drum line, right? You get all of that shit. And that's surprised they didn't the go hits. that route. All, you know what I mean? Yeah. You make a big spectacle of it all. Yeah, mm-hmm. and that definitely sounds more like what he would do. Yeah. Yeah, and I think it drives home the satirical point if he's spending all that money and doing all this flashy shit, left, right, left, right, all this shit, and people still aren't coming. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's more on brand with this movie than him going, man, we need that Christian mind. <laughs> yeah. You know, he wants to sit there. And talk shit about Regina Hall's hat. Mm-hmm. But he's like, mime face paint. Right. <laughs> he's about that, though. Yeah. Did you see his shoes, though? Those blinged out shoes? They, oh, fucking fantastic. They were amazing. But I'm like, but her hat is like no more blinged than that. Like, <laughs> Well, it wasn't the bling that was the issue. It was the style. Oh, I guess that's true. It was but I mean, the style it, But it. it's one of those things that like it fits into it. It's exactly what you said. That hat is too old style and, right. and and not flashy enough for them. But her wearing mime fucking face paint in her Sunday best right. is just the perfect idea. Oh, yeah. yeah. It doesn't fit. It doesn't. It and, really doesn't. And to me, it makes more sense if you have him go actually go bigger, bolder, crazier, and have it still fail. Because what did that kid say to him? Atlanta doesn't need you. Mm. And yeah. his worry is that nobody will need him anymore. Yeah. He could, you know, he's got all the passion, this, that, blah, blah, blah. But still nobody will come to even hear mm. what he has to say. That shows it more than fucking miming. Yeah. I mean, the only thing I can think of with that is like, if he was just grasping at straws because he was so desperate at that point, because he was just so flustered at what was happening. And he was just grasping at any straws. And, but then I'm like, but even still, that's why the big expenses to get it done would be better. But also maybe that's what they were saying is they spent all their money on these flashy clothes and looking like this perfect couple that they didn't have the money to do that kind of thing. Like maybe that's part of it. I don't know. It was interesting though. Yeah. But you could always get, you can get some of these people to do some of that shit for free. Yeah, that's Or just fair. on credit, essentially. Yeah. Like, hey, we're doing a new church opening. There's so many th- things in an Atlanta area or the South. They would a- either do it for free mm-hmm. or go like, yeah, send me an invoice. And you're right. I guess I'm just trying to understand, like, yeah, because I'm like, that doesn't really fit. Well, it was a callback to the beginning of the movie when he's like, hey, we even do Christian miming here. Have you seen <laughs> Christian miming? Yeah, yeah. And all this shit. And, like, that's a solid joke. Yeah. It works at the beginning of the movie. Mm-hmm. It does not work at the end of the movie. It's not your last resort type of thing. Yeah. 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 
And I think that it's just what you said. It's the believability of it. Because in a subtle sort of way, her doing that, you know, what is a mime doing? They are pretending Mm. that that things are there when they're not. They're pretending to be something that they're not. They're pretending to project this, like there's this amazing thing happening in front of them or in front of you and everything like that. But it's all sort of pretend, which is sort of what the character, the state that the character was in. So there is some good irony there. But like you said, I just don't believe that that would have been Sterling K's. That would have been Lee, Pastor Lee Curtis. I I can't believe that that would have been his last resort. Mm. Just you out here doing miming. There would have been an army of moms out there doing all kinds of crazy stuff and talking about honk for Jesus and one's acting like they're the in a car and the other one's acting like they're in the passenger seat. You know, it would have been some something crazy. You know what I mean? So I totally get what you guys are saying, even though I sort of appreciated the desperate irony of what Trinity was doing. And that's fair. That's a 100% fair point. And that's what I was saying. Maybe they were trying to just go too satirical yeah. with yeah. that to make it work. Yeah. But I think you also hit the, the satire aspect of it all. If you're getting like a marching band and this and that and like a bunch of loud noise mm-hmm. and no one's there to hear it. Yep. And so it doesn't matter how much you're screaming from the pulpit. Mm-hmm. And nobody's there. You don't matter. Yeah. And that still would have came across. It would have yeah. driven it home better, I think. And I, I think so. Yeah. I probably would have preferred that yeah. than the miming. Yeah. yeah. And I think the miming part of it is what just made that scene even feel more monotonous. Because mm. like I said, it's honk this, honk that, honk this, honk that, honk this, honk that. All right. This is the last day. We need to, we need to do it extra special <laughs> and big today. Yeah. Miming. And you're yeah. like, oh, the buildup for all of this was for that joke from the beginning. And I think the joke at the beginning works because that is the type of shit mega churches do. We've got church dancing. We've got church this. We've got church cooking classes. We've, you know, we've got church dog walking. We've got Christian mining. You know, it's that it's, it's showing just the ridiculous amount of things that they're throwing out there, whether or not they have to do with the church or not. Yeah, mm-hmm. you know, and and the mime and I can speak from some experience with that. That was a big thing back when I was at church. Whoa, it was. <laughs> Hold on. Yes, you're saying it's real. Yes, I didn't know that. Yes, I thought that that was strictly joke. Yes, I can't speak for all like black churches and mega churches and stuff like that. But yes, there is Christian <laughs> miming and there have been, yes, when I was a youth in church, we were all part of a mime, a Christian mime. And yet we did it. You mimed a whole gospel song and oh, you I were mean, in it. People loved it. People. I genuinely thought that was 100% joke. No. <laughs> That's why I it's there. I genuinely thought 
that that was just them making up shit to show how ridiculous it goes. Yeah, that's yeah. why it's there because that and that's sort of the satire of it all because there are places where that still goes on and people are like, oh, it's such a blessing and these kids or these people doing this mime to a gospel song and really it's kind of like why is that i mean i've heard of like a like a lyrical dance team doing gospel songs to like dance but i've never heard of the miming yep it's Mm -hmm. a thing um it is totally a thing yeah no i just that blows my mind i did not know that that was a real thing I thought, like I said, I thought that they were just making up shit. So. Yeah. Okay. Well, my mind is sufficiently fucking blown then. (laughs) Yeah. So I'm not going to lie. I'm going to change my score to a 70. Okay. Because (laughs) I thought it was, I thought it was made up bullshit. That's why the ending felt more of a letdown that that was the go-to. Yeah. Okay. If I at least had known it was a real life thing that makes more sense. I still don't think it's as effective as we talked about doing like the bigger show, yeah. but okay. Then yeah. at least it's a, <laughs> at least apparently they're drawing from past experience or something. Maybe. Yes. That's infinitely more fair then. Yes. Okay. Yeah. No, I'll give it a 70 then. But it still works as like the joke. It does, but it's just, know? it's not as effective of a joke or yeah. as effective of an ending as I think like we talked about. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's just like I said, I thought that they took dumb joke from the beginning and tried to sell it as that's the end. Yeah. Yeah. W- which you're not wrong. They did, but yes, there's more to it. But, this but thing now is, you know. Is if it's at least it's a real thing. Like I said, you're drawing from at least something you might have seen. Yes. And I think that's the and, joke of and it. And that makes it hit better. Yeah. that That's the joke of it. It's like, they do this, but what? Also, how do you Christian mime? Like, really? What are you doing? You were on doing? the team, Justin, What right? are you doing <laughs> that is more Christian about miming? Like, what is the difference between secular miming and Christian miming? Because it looks like the same miming. It's just to Christian yeah. music or gospel yeah, music. Yeah, that's really the only thing, the only way I could describe it to that's you. That's a missed that, opportunity. Yeah. I want to see some mime, mime crucifixions. <laughs> oh, boy. Oh I just want oh somebody boy. like. Oh, no. Oh, no. <laughs> I'm sure it has happened somewhere just Probably. like that. Yeah. But, you know, but but the miming I'm used to, I think the only difference was that it was to a it was to a song. It was to a Christian song that's popular <sighs> and they would mime and people would just be like, "Oh man, this is the best thing ever." But but I, but but I think what the movie is trying to say is what what would that really do? Like, how would that add members? How would that be? You know, it felt no, like fair. something more for the children to partake in or just something different for the the youth there to do or something interesting to make church interesting to them more than it felt like a real way to inspire yeah, it's a, somebody to God. It's you an, know, it's it's an interactive thing once you're in. Yeah. It's not a ministry. Yeah, exactly. And I think that's the joke of it all. And that's fair. 
But like I said, yeah, that was lost on me, not mm. knowing that was a real thing. Yeah, no, I totally get yeah. where you're coming from, though, and I do like your idea better. But I just had to say that in case y'all, you know, because yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Oh, that, that's like I said, I 100% just thought that was made up bullshit for the movie. Well, it speaks more to what you're saying earlier about how like the the jokes are going to be lost on people who didn't grow up in that environment or aren't familiar with that environment. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Exactly. See, I, I I know enough of the church environment to know that they do have random bullshit out there. Like I said, like cooking for Christ and shit <laughs> like that. Yeah. Mhm. You know, it's not not all of it's bad. It's like, you know, just enjoying fellowship but also like, you know, like some people don't know how to cook. So it's like, hey, Come here, we'll teach you to cook, but, you know, you'll be in good Christian fellowship while you do it. That is not inherently a bad thing. Yeah, or like you know? Christian singles mingles and yeah. stuff. You those those I mean? aren't inherently like, bad things. And when I say it, like, it is just kind of dumb, though, when it's like cooking for Christ. And you're just like, it can just be a cooking class at your church. Like, it doesn't have, you know what I mean? It doesn't have right. to, like, thematically always be something with Jesus, you know? Because the same people are going to show up either way with yeah. it. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, you don't, you don't need jazzercise for Jesus. You can just have a jazzercise, jazzercise. class at your church. Yeah. yeah. With it, you know, just being like, hey, come enjoy Christian fellowship. Yeah. While you get your exercise on. That's always fair. Yeah. It's just the, the naming conventions they do for it are what I do think is humorous with it. Yeah. And I, I ridicule that. Not the idea, just the how they theme it out like the that. cheesy names for it. Yeah. And yeah. I honestly feel like that could be a detractor for getting people. Like if you were trying to use that as like an outreach type of thing to people and you know, you're just like, yeah, here's a flyer jazzercise with Jesus or whatever. I think that would put people off to it more instead of just like, Hey, we're doing a jazzercise class at our church. Like that would be a way better way to approach that. Yeah, because yeah. like, you know, if you go, Hey, we're doing a movie night. I might actually go to something like that. I mean, it really depends on the movie. My movies I'm acceptable <laughs> with and movies churches are acceptable are typically on two different, different levels. Yes. But you know, but if you're like, Hey, come to movies with the Messiah probably not going to go right yeah because that sounds too it's it sounds too much like you're trying to just have one goal in mind of i just want you to go there for one intention and that's to share the gospel with you and not that that's a bad thing but it just it gives that like very aggressive or Mm -hmm. abrasive upfront thing that's going to make people not want to do it at the beginning so and I'm not going to lie, as far as outreach stuff goes like that, I'm not going to lie. I mean, I can't speak for everybody, but as somebody who's been a non-believer for a while or whatever, those things don't really work on us because we're just not going to go. I mean, and you I, know I, what I mean? Like, yeah, we just don't fair. go to it. Like, I, and that's I, why I think if you, if you frame it different, it might actually be more beneficial because you you tell them like, hey, we're just doing this. We're just doing these community outreach things. Right. If you just so or happen to be moved by being there and being around right. these people and just talking to them and all this other stuff, that's infinitely more effective than like, hey, we're trying to convert you. Come watch a movie. Right. It's Exactly. It feels like a hook, like a yeah. fish hook or like a, you know, it's like we, we get you around the hook and then we can pull you in. When it really should feel like, and like, and I've been to some functions, some religious functions that weren't like that. 
And it always felt infinitely more fun than the whole thing. You know, they have you come out, they say, hey, we're having a barbecue or something. You go and it's a barbecue. There's mm-hmm. no sermoning. There's no none of that. You know, it's a barbecue. Then maybe at the end of it, somebody says, hey, like you said, if you enjoyed this, we're going to invite all of you to church. You know, you ought to come to church. You ought to come right. fellowship with us. If you enjoyed yourself here, please come to our fellowship. And that's it. There's no Bible pushing. There's no this, that, and the other. It's not like eat the barbecue. But if you do, I'm going to expect that at <laughs> 10 a.m. on Sunday. There was nothing like that. There was no prid, prid, quid pro quoing. Yes, that was yes. right. <laughs> quid yes. pro quoing or none of that kind of stuff. It was just come to a barbecue. I mean, and that's that's what the point of it should be anyway, of just like, yeah. hey, if you're, you know, you're showing, you know, brotherly love to everybody, like just come and hang out with us. And that's the point of it. And people have, you know, they missed that. But I mean, I've seen it work with people like say they're lonely. They have no friends. They're by themselves. And sometimes they're just like, you know what? I just need to be around people. So I'm going to go to this function that I heard about. Like sometimes that's the better way and the way that it works better than when it's automatically shoved in your face up front in an aggressive way. Again, no issues with people that want to do that. Obviously, like I love going to church functions, but you have to approach it in the right way or it's going to be so off-putting to people. Well, it also depends. Like I said, is it outreach? Right. Or is it just like an in-church thing? Those, Mm -hmm. you know, you could, you you approach both of those differently. You know what I mean? I just know that I went to, I've only been suckered into one of those, like we're going to snag you functions once. And that was by one Ted DiBiase. And, you know, he was speaking at the Second Baptist Church in Midland. I was a childhood million dollar man fan. You know, it just, I think that kind of shows the person I've been almost my entire life because my favorite wrestler as a child <laughs> was probably one of the biggest heels of the 90s. <laughs> the guy was never a good guy. He was never on the good side of things. He was always the asshole in everything he did. He got enjoyment out of making children cry. Everyone's got a prize. And I connected with that man so hard. And he was speaking at Second Baptist Church. And so I go, I didn't think about where the location was. I was like, oh, you know, he's just going to talk. Mm. And you get in there and the, one of the first things he said, I... If I had a car, if I was of legal driving age or whatever, I would have left right then. Because he started it off going, if you think this is going to be a night of me talking about being the million-dollar man in wrestling, you're mistaken. <laughs> this is a night for Jesus. And I was like, what the fuck am I in this? I've been bamboozled. Because <laughs> I was there to listen to him talk about being the million-dollar man and all this other shit. I mean, I still got his autograph, but I think I think his autograph said something like, um, thanks for being a brother in Christ, Ted DiBiase. And I was like, you couldn't have just said every man has a price? Uh-huh. Ted DiBiase. <laughs> I'm like, that's. I don't know what to do with this book now. How old were you? I'm just curious. I think it was like 14. Okay. Yeah. Man. 
just still like, yeah, I've, I've been, I've been a non-believer for a very long time. And uh, especially when I was younger, I was more militant about it and everything. And so, yeah, that was just, that was jarring. And I was bored out of my mind. Now he did tell some stories about being the million dollar man, you know, but it was, it was to show how, how much of a sinner he was before he was saved. And I'm like, can you go back to those stories? That sounds like fun. How many women did you fuck that night again? Taking notes. But yeah, it was just absurd. And like I said, I felt bit bam- bamboo, like, and, and, and I felt tricked. So you know what isn't going to make me want to join that church? Feeling tricked? You know? And so it... it it's those weird things. And like, I think that's why, like I said, I just automatically assumed Christian miming was just a joke thing like that within this movie. Like it just, like I said, I've heard so many things like that before. And I just assumed it was more of it, but you know, Hey, it's a real thing. Apparently. (laughs) Yes, it is. Yes, indeed. Now we all gave the same score. That's a first probably. I don't think it's a first. I think we've done it one other time. Okay. I think we, I think we almost did it in Knives Out. You're probably right, actually, on that one. But, yeah, it's just one of those things. Like, this movie, like I said, it does have a lot going for it. Apparently even more so if you are of the former church-going crowd, you know. But, uh I think wasn't there wasn't God's property? Didn't they have one really big song, like mm-hmm. the late nineties, early two thousands? That was just everywhere. Yes, and was it Stomp or something like that, or what was that song? That was one of the popular ones. Okay, I think I, I'm just trying to remember because you said God's property, and I'm like, yeah, and what was the name? Kirk Franklin. Yeah, Kirk Franklin is still. Who's Kirk Franklin? He's the um he's he's more like a composer sort of, yeah. but he um, Oh 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 for the band. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh okay. I had You're thinking no, Kirk Cameron or what? No, I had no, no context. I just I, Kirk Franklin. All yeah. I remembered was God's property. And there was there was one of their songs slash music videos that would actually even be on like MTV. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think it was Stomp. I think you're right. I'm looking it up. I mean, I'm trying to think who you would equate Kirk Franklin to. Like, just he brings oh, yeah, a lot it's, of it's different things together. I just, I just iTunes to God's property. First one is songs of Stomp, but I'm like, okay, that's gotta be it. Is yeah, it, is it Kirk? Kirk. Kirk. It is Kirk. Kirk. It's Kirk because yeah. I, I see right here it says God's property and Kirk. So I'm assuming it's Franklin. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Okay, we're going to listen to this afterwards just to make sure that that's the one I remember. Okay. So I'm not going to lie. It was kind of a bop if I'm remembering correctly. <laughs> no, some of those songs, I'm not going to lie. There were some gospel artists in the 90s. And sometimes, though, they would just do, you know, covers of popular songs, but they would insert Jesus phrases or different things like that. And I wasn't such a fan of that. But some of the original Is it because music, they would always do love songs? Yeah. And it would make you feel like they wanted to fuck Jesus instead? Totally get it. 
Like you know, I, I South understand. Park uh, did. That's a good what I was gonna one say. Is like <laughs> South Park is slightly dated now. If you watch really old South Park, it's really dated with a lot of the things they do. But that episode still one hundred percent like accurate. Just put a hundo on that accuracy meter on that one. Yeah, I mean, this is gonna be an inside joke for just me and Justin. But that episode was about as accurate as I was last night picking matches at uh. AEW is all in. This was a 100%. Picked every match correctly, mm-hmm. every surprise, yeah. everything. I knew it, called it every one of them. So just throwing that out there, guys. I nailed it. I just want to brag about it. Yeah. I mean, I I did it like 10 seconds after every match, but I predicted the, the previous match every time nice. accurate. And uh, yeah, but no, South Park nailed it. And I think, and I do think it's funny because some church going people don't hear it still. You can, you could like play them like songs back to back and they like, no one's about, you know, love and one's about Jesus. I'm like, no, both of them are about sexual intercourse. I'm sorry. Yeah. That was a really funny. Heather is shaking her head. (laughs) That means Heather is going to be watching some South park tonight. One episode at least. I'm not saying I disagree with you. Uh huh. It was just the way that you said it was funny. Mm-hmm. But, but you did. But yeah, just going back to what we we're saying though, and I I actually think that some of that actually applies to this movie too. What time period was this movie supposed to be in? Also, because I don't think I saw anybody with cell phones. Well, no, she called her mom. You are right. Yeah, that I was think the it's one time. Day, I thought. Possibly, I, I yeah. mean, maybe with that. Yeah. But I will say this: this movie also could have more or less taken place in 1992. <laughs> well, Nuck if you buck, whenever that came out. True. <laughs> but yeah, True. either way, it's like not clear what the time period. Well, you are it. right, Heather, because I was I was just trying to think back of when did somebody use a yeah. smartphone in this movie? She does. And then the one girl that's filming her from the sidewalk as well. Mm-hmm. I didn't know if she was necessarily filming or not. Oh. But, it, but you're right. It could have been. Okay. They you're were right, kind actually. of ambiguous because she's just standing there. That's fair. Yeah. I thought based on the angle of her phone, she was just holding it. Okay. It didn't look like the film angle. Just so, unimpressed. So to me, it didn't look like this. It looked more like this. Okay. You could be right. Yeah. But that's the thing is, I mean, they were rather ambiguous. But also that scene doesn't... I also don't know the point of that scene. <laughs> that was part of the problem with me. I don't fucking know what that scene was meant to See, say. And I think maybe that's why I thought she was filming. Cause I thought the point of that scene was going to be like her being like, look at the pastor's wife, the creepy pastor's wife on the corner begging. Like I thought it was going to be something where she filmed it and put it viral, something like that. And that's maybe why I thought she was filming, but that's not what they did with it. So you could be right. That's fair. If, mm-hmm. if that scene had happened, would have made more sense to me. Yeah. I thought so too. I thought it was a look how pathetic. Yep. This look is. how desperate they are and look something how, like that. Yeah, yeah, that's what I took. And if as. they had done that, because they cut to new segments all the time in this movie. Yeah. If they had done that mm-hmm. and they were talking about it, like, mm-hmm. okay. Yeah. But it, that never happened. So mm-hmm. to me, I'm like, it was the pointless. The scene could go a few different ways and it yeah. goes no ways. Pretty right. much. Like, it's like that scene's like the fork in the road and they, instead of going down one of the forks in the road, they just U-turn and go right back down the same right. path. They just were on. Like, I'm like, oh, okay. Yep. Pretty like, much. 
Yeah, no, that's fair though. I mean, you could be 100% right. It's just. What's they weren't that? clear. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And like, and like I said, that's what, to me, this movie, biggest problem lacked focus. Yeah. Because there was tons of shit like that. Like there's that scene where that woman is berating her on the street. And even afterwards, she's like, you know what? Fuck you. Mm. Have a blessed day. <laughs> yeah. Why didn't that come back? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, look, the like the pastor trying to do this, but like, look, this is this is how they really are. Mm-hmm. Something. Yeah. You know, I get like it was just trying to show like that underlying level of like this is who they really are. Yeah. But I've also seen that done better in the righteous gemstones on HBO. Mm-hmm. They do shit like that all the time because they are like a family of deplorable people, but they're the family of a mega church. Mm-hmm. You know. They'll sit there and it's all praise Jesus. Everything's fine and dandy and everything is love and glory at church. They go to dinner right after and they're just like, no, fuck you, Molly. No, fuck you. Like, it's just like the worst, (laughs) terrible shit ever. (laughs) It's way more effective because it's a very good show. Like it's, Mm -hmm. it's HBO. It's very good. So, but like, there's a way more focus to it. You know, there's like, you know, the part of the story is that, they are these deeply, deeply flawed people. And they don't see it. But even their dad, who is also flawed, and it was the, the mega pastor himself, sees those flaws in his kids, though. And, like, you know what I mean? It's not completely lost on everybody or anything like that. So you see some of those elements that's, like, they're not completely oblivious to it. Mm-hmm. where I feel like in this, they kind of maybe do play into that a little bit, but I'm like, but there's also no comeuppance from it. Like there's comeuppance in righteous gemstones because of their deep flaws. There's no real comeuppance in this because this is post scandal. Mm. Mm-hmm. And so you're seeing them not learn lessons. Right. And what you're, and, and the other thing with this movie is like, boy, Nine-tenths of this movie is designed to make you feel for Regina Hall and that she's trapped and she wants to do the right thing but doesn't even necessarily know what the right thing is, but that's what she wants to do. Yeah. And then they throw that curveball kind of more towards the end where they're just like, nah, she's just as bad as her husband in a lot of ways. Yeah. And you're like, okay, then like, Give me more of that throughout the movie. You know, don't sit there and throw a character curveball at the end like that. Where mm. I feel like I then wasted emotion throughout the movie. I wasted the emotion of feeling bad for her, but then I don't feel angry at her character about it, mm. which I think was what it was meant to do. Make you feel angry at her character too. And just go, you're no better than your husband. Yeah. And instead I'm angry at the movie. Yeah. Because I'm like, a better movie would have done that change better. Would have, you know, would have made me hate the character instead of making me go, man, movie, why'd you do that to me? Mm-hmm. And so, like, that's the flaw in that aspect of it. Yeah, it was a swerve. But, again, how effective was it? Because it was just like you said, like, they built up. Because the whole time they're building it, I just felt like, she's going to let this guy go. 
like enough's going to yeah. be enough and maybe she's going to leave this guy yeah. or she's going to realize that this is not going to work. And maybe in the midnight hour, she leaves from this and frees herself from this. And then when you get to the end, there is the swerve, like you're saying, of, oh, this is a prison of her own making. She wants to be here. She's mm-hmm. like embracing this in a way and enabling this in a way. And Well, I would argue she's not even trapped. I'd argue she's just unhappy. It's just not where she wants it to be. Yeah. You know what I mean? She's not even trapped. She's just yeah. like, man, we're not rich and powerful. Yeah. Yeah. That, that's what it is. Yeah. So maybe it's uh, maybe prison of her own making is not the, the, the best way to put it. But yeah, it's like she's just as much a part of this too. You know, yeah. it, it doesn't matter that he did that. Every that, that what he did or how he was unfaithful or anything, it almost doesn't even matter to her. It's more about how everything looks like it's yeah. more about the power and everything like that. And even though, yes, that was a swerve, it wasn't, you just didn't feel like, it didn't feel monumental enough. It didn't feel big enough. It didn't feel like, oh man, she's a scumbag too. Wow. I'm mesmerized by this. It just felt like, oh, okay. I see what you're doing, movie. Exactly. Like that was it. You don't feel betrayed by the character. You feel betrayed by the movie. <laughs> yeah. And that's like, that's, that's never what you want. You know what I mean? Like. It's that feeling you get of the movie misled, like misled the audience. Like when it feels like you're yeah. doing it just for the audience, like that whole problem that you usually have with and movies, see, you know, I would have appreciated it more if in the scenes when they're filming the documentary, she was putting up the face like that. And whenever they would do the scenes that were not being filmed, if she acted more like that mm-hmm. in those scenes, because then you would see the duality of her as much as you saw it in Sterling K. Brown, because you do feel like she's having a crisis of, of faith, but just in her marriage of like, man, yeah. is this the man I married? Is this the man I really want to be with? Is this the marriage I want? Is this the life I want with the man I, I'm married to. Yeah. You think that that's what it is for so much of the movie. And it turns out it's really, is this the life I want to live? Cause man, I'm not as rich and powerful as I used to be. Right. Yeah. All because he did some things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's more about setting him right so that he can, so that we can regain power, not setting him right. So I can have a better husband and yeah. So and our marriage can, have, can go so back our marriage to what it can was. be better. Yeah. Yeah. And so that's what's, and like you said, just all those scenes that showed, yes, you could see that crisis in her. And whenever she's at, at odds and talking to her mom and they have that conversation, you know, I wish maybe that conversation could have left setting something up. Like you're going to have to decide what's more important for to you. Yeah. You guys fixing each other or this look where high and mighty, you know, pastor and first wife stuff. I wish maybe if you knew there was this ultimatum, she was going to have to arrive to. And then she just 100% maliciously picks the wrong option, but that's the right option for her. Mm. And it's fucked up. And it's like, damn, 
maybe that shit would have really hit. Yeah. But that's not really what we got. No, that's that's 100% fair on that, Justin. Mm. Like, yeah. and I, like I said, once again, to me, all that boils down to this movie had a lack of focus. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. It knew things it wanted to focus on. It just also threw a lot of shit in there it didn't want to focus on. Yeah. Which in turn shifts focus around it. At times the movie's incredibly focused. At times it's not. Like, I, I do hate using that word over and over again. It's just all these flaws that we're pointing out in this movie to me. Go back to that one concise issue. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, individual parts are well-focused. Like, the Sterling K. Brown character. Like, the performance is a well-focused performance. Mm. Regina Hall's performance the same way. Like, they they all hit what they need to. Yeah. It's just the movie as a whole lets them down through that manner. Yeah. And, it's, and it is interesting, too, with Regina Hall's character because... It is almost like there, while her, like you said, her performance is focused, but it's almost like you're not clear what the audience should feel for her because you also get that aspect of while all of the scandal and everything of uh, Sterling K. Brown's character, you feel like Regina Hall's character is getting the flack for it more with people. You know, they're just like, why didn't she leave and how did she not know and all these other things? And it still is like it's falling on her. So it's like it's like they want you to feel bad for her that she's having to take on this side of things that shouldn't be on her. But then at the same time, you're like, hmm, now we see what her actual motivation is. And now we actually see like what she's actually wanting from this. And yeah, so it just feels like they want you to go back and forth on how you feel about her character as a whole. You know, and that's and that's a very fair assessment with it because, you know, that's why you do feel for Regina Hall in right. this movie. Yeah. Because it's that damned if she does, damned if she doesn't mentality of like, you know, 50% of the people are like, you need to leave him. 50% are like, you can't leave him. Like, you mm-hmm. know, so it, it puts her in that real crisis and all this other stuff. Yeah. And then you come to the end and like, the only reason why she internally is having that crisis is a status thing. Mm-hmm. Not, not because of love, not because of this and that, or not because of the life they built or the family they have, or, the, or not even really about the church itself. It's the status of the church that mm-hmm. w- was more concerning to her. So, like, there are some really good elements in here that if they'd really delved into those, oh, it would have just been so much better of a movie. Yeah. And it, and it, and now I'm like even thinking of more things about the movie, like the mm-hmm. rat analogy she made at the beginning when she was like, you know, they gnaw from yeah. the inside to the outside and, you know, you, you got to chew through the bad parts and all that stuff. Not that we're rats or anything. They are rats. <laughs> That's <laughs> true. I didn't catch like, that. Yeah. Uh, they are. They're vermin. Like, and so, you know, that, that, that's, so, you know, you like, so see, like, there are some good things in this, but you just wish that we had gotten that we needed a better ending to arrive there. And all this just hit in such a colossal way. Man, the potential. Wow. Like I think about uncut gems. That was a movie about like a character with, bad qualities right like he he it was this character 
with the, it wasn't about him redeeming himself. It was about this endless gambling addiction trap he put himself in and could never get out of. And I wish it had hit like that movie hit at the end. Yeah. Somehow. Yeah. And I'm there with you on that because like you want the cycle to end because you were just like, you kind of feel like one of his family members almost. You're just like, Mm. fuck, stop gambling. Dear God. Yeah. Exactly. You know, like you, you, cause you go through that emotional turmoil Mm. throughout the movie that you see how addicted and how self-destructive he is with it. So you, you want it to end and not like you want him, you, you want him to win essentially at the end. Cause then your, your hope is, all right, it's done. You've got what like you the need. The pain and yeah. the suffering <laughs> that is oozing from this yeah. will stop or at least fucking give people a break. Mm. You know, you don't want him to win because you're just like, man, all this guy needs is a little bit of luck because he's a good guy. He just <laughs> needs some luck. You're like, no, this guy's fucking deplorable. Just <laughs> end this so like your family suffering can just stop yeah. for a day. For something, just right. please, you know, like, so, but I like it because you go through the same things you go through in like, not emotionally, but you want the same things from a movie where you're rooting for somebody just as much as you cannot root for this guy, mm. you know, so you have, you go through the same type of things with it. And so, and that's incredibly interesting. You know, you want this guy to win. In some movies, it's because he's just a good guy. And in this movie, it's because you're like, no, because it needs to fucking stop. Right. Mm-hmm. And that's a very interesting thing to go through. Like this, you mm-hmm. want the same thing, but for two drastically different reasons. And in this, you just don't, they unfortunately don't get to that point. Yeah. Toward the emotional struggle. Is that real with it? There's not the other thing. They're just constantly going for the status and this and that and the other. I think in Uncut Gems, there was another side of that that we could see. He's got this family. He's got these debts he needs to pay off. He's got these people that he owes. There are these people that he is affecting with right. his gambling habit. So we sort of root for him, but in a sense, we're seeing the damage he's causing. This was a little weird because, like, All they were trying to get was their status back. But we know that the status is not what they really need. They're they're not being real people. They're not being honest people. Mm. They're not. They're they're trying to attain happiness in something that is not going to bring them happiness. And they're shams and they're schemers. And they're just, you know, they there needed to be another thing. Like, I think that ultimatum that I was talking about with the whole marriage thing. Maybe that was the ultimatum. Like if Sterling K and her, if both characters were like, okay, we can either fix ourselves and our marriage and not do this, or we can go back to doing this. You know, the, what is the redemption going to be? And we have choices on what that redemption is, Yeah, but there was no choice. They were just like, we just want this shit back right here. We just want to be back where Mm -hmm. we were. Well, and with that, too, they could have been more or acknowledged more of like what they were probably trying to say. I think that this movie was trying to say that they think if they fix the church, 
it will fix their marriage. Mm. Even though you know it's not the case because your marriage went bad when the church was good. Right. Yeah. So then have them say something. Because they when they were talking and they're like, you know, you could have Regina Hall saying, like, or Sterling K. Brown, one of them just said, like, look, I know we have we're having our problems. But if we fix the church, it'll fix us. Mm-hmm. Mm. Acknowledge that that's what you're trying to say. Yeah. Don't hint at it. Don't hint at it. Because then you're you're not sh- because we know it's delusional. So show the characters truly being that delusional, instead of just more or less acting like it, where you think maybe that's it. Or may- for all I know, they could have also not thought that. I'm implying so because that is the most logical thing they should. Yeah. That they were probably going at with the movie. Mm-hmm. So say it because it's just a quick line that would fit very much in so many of the conversations they had in this movie. Yeah. You know, if we just fix, if we just get this, we'll be so good. Yeah. All these problems will go away because God and the church will shine their blessings on us and do the same. That's why I think it should come from Sterling K. Brown. Cause then he can be like spewing the same bullshit to her that he has for everything else. Mm -hmm. Mm. And really at like, just show that he runs that fucking game on everybody. Yeah. I mean, and you kind of get to see how at that point she was kind of not buying anything he was saying anymore. Like when she's listening to his, uh, him practicing his, his sermon and he's just giving this really heartfelt speech and all these things. And she's like, oh, okay, well we need to make on work on making that more believable because I don't believe you kind of thing. (laughs) And it was kind of like at that point she was just done. Like it was almost like even she didn't know what to believe about him anymore because of everything that he was really about. And well, if they added more to it though, too, she could have called him out more about it because like, look, I don't believe you. Mm-hmm. If I don't believe you, no one else believes you. If no one else believes you, the church isn't fixed. Right. And yeah. we both know that's the only point of all this. Yeah. And that yeah. would have been a great Like just part giving to put that line of, yeah. We both know that's the only point of any of this. Yeah. Is that. And I like that they do very upfront and at the beginning of this film show you what at least Sterling K. Brown's motivation was from the beginning. Like even when they're sitting at the table having breakfast or whatever they were doing. And he's like, maybe I need to mix the old and new Testament together, you know, just to switch it up and make it more current or whatever he was saying about that, where it's like, it has nothing to do with like what you feel like you should be teaching to your congregation. It was more about what's going to be in so that people want to come back and listen to us. You know, that was a solid joke. I think in the movie too, when he thinks they should say amen, because more (laughs) of the, 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 influencer like church influencer yep. culture they all say amen old man uh amen is kind of old hat yeah mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. we need to you know we need to change it to amen i did think that was yeah. a solid joke that was pretty funny <laughs> yeah and i i did like the call back to it at the end of the movie mm-hmm. yeah they did that well when she goes amen yeah she hit him <laughs> with it with that amen <laughs> that was good yeah that was pretty funny yeah no, I just, I I feel like they were more clear up front with who Sterling K. Brown's character was um, from the beginning. And like you said, they just threw the curveball sort of at the end 
with Regina Hall's character. Um, and again, with this being a satire, sometimes you don't know if maybe that was on purpose. And they're like, you know what? We fooled the audience just like everybody in this church was fooled by her even. And now we know the truth about her and what her motives are. You know, like maybe that's what they were going for. I don't think they executed it well if that's what they were going for. But it's just the the potential that this film had to be something so much better than it was. And and it was fine as is, I guess. Like it was mostly fine, but the potential it had to be like this really excellent film. You're like it's just a shame that they just didn't do a little bit more to make it better with that. You know what I mean? So I don't know. I, I feel like it it really it had such potential, especially with the performances we were given in this. Very, very true. Yeah. You guys got any more thoughts about this movie? Anything else? Mm, I don't think so. Yeah, I think we nailed it pretty much just with the weakness of it and the strengths of it. I think we got to the bottom of it pretty well. And I'll say this too. I think as much as we did talk about the weaknesses and flaws of this movie, I think there is something to be said about why we still pretty much all gave it 70s. Because, mm-hmm. I mean, the performances are so damn good. Yes. Like, yeah. they are just damn good performances. They might not be the best written characters, but they are two damn good performed characters. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And it says something about both. Sterling K. Brown and Regina Hall, because anytime they were on screen or just talking and like we said, this is this documentary style, mm-hmm. you know, and we didn't touch we didn't touch on that a lot in describing the scenes. But, you know, documentary style, the camera's in front of you and you're and it's up to you to talk, to act, to emote what's happening and everything like that. And anytime one of them was on screen or the both of them was on screen you were intrigued with what was happening. Mm. You know, you couldn't help but be glued to what either one of them was saying, you know. Now, when they came to the story, of course, we wanted things to go here or there, et cetera, et cetera. But man, when they were acting and performing, I was, my eyes were glued to the screen. Well, and the thing I liked the most too, is this is probably one of the more balanced movies I've seen from two lead performances Mm. because- Neither one of them outshines the other. That's true. Yeah. They are both just top tier yeah. the whole movie. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? There's scenes where they're acting together. They're matching energy. You know what I mean? They're, they're, they're matching performance levels. Oh, you yeah. know what I mean? Like you don't feel like at any point was one of them weaker than the other. They mm-hmm. were just so solid, like both at this, you know, that's a good point throughout the whole movie. Yeah. And I think that that's a testament to how good they both are. Yeah. Like, yeah. I mean, mean, I'm always down for Sterling K. Brown. I mean, my favorite episode of all time of Brooklyn Nine-Nine is because of him. Yeah, that's a great one. Oh, he's spectacular. But this movie kind of made me feel like maybe I've been sleeping on Regina Hall a little too much. Same. I've seen her and stuff, and I've never thought she was bad, but, like, I never. got the chops. (laughs) I never, like, went, you know what? Let me see what she's got. Yeah. Mm. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And so... This could honestly, this, this is something that could put her on the map if it was a more popular movie, but I feel like her performance is worthy of getting notice 
You know what I mean? I mean, and the only other thing that I do want to say too is what you mentioned earlier, Sterling, the scene when the, the kid that basically they were suing them, right? There was a lawsuit against them and that kid yes. got out of the car and he goes and confronts Sterling K Brown. And that scene was so good. Like I really loved everything they did with that scene. Like everything about it, it just captivated you and drew you in. And I just, I thought it was so well done. Um, you know, and yeah, I, I just think that they, they did really kind of nail, I guess, the different types of, um, I guess, stereotypical people that you see in churches, like the different types of churchgoers that there are. And, you know, I thought it was funny that they were listing the names of people and saying, this is a former congregant, this is a current congregant, you know, like, I just, I thought that was kind of funny that they were sort of like identifying each person that they talked to in that way. Um, <laughs> that was also a super funny joke when she's like leaving the mall uh-huh. and it's all congregant. And then as the conversation happens that she's now going to heaven house or whatever, it then pops back up yeah. just to then change it to former congregant. Right. Yeah. 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 I mean, and like kind of what I was mentioning before the the spoilers with like, it says a lot of things. It, it's almost like it's a movie that wants to just shed a light on things that happen in churches like this, but it doesn't give you the resolution of necessarily how to fix the problem or whatever. And that's, that's sort of what I mean by that is like, you just see that she's like, okay, this is my lot that I've chosen and we're just going to power through my marriage still sucks. We still don't have a bunch of people in our church and that's kind of how it ends. So it just, it's almost like it's just shedding light on a one story situation and just to, just to make known that these are the types of things that happen, but then it doesn't really tell you like, you know, it got better or this is how we make it right. And nobody necessarily learned a lesson (laughs) and that's the difference. And, and the thing is though, that's realistic and that that's a real thing. Like people who get you know, that kind of like, um, I guess their hand slapped in that way. It doesn't mean that they always learn it. It doesn't mean that they've actually changed. They can pretend like they have, but it doesn't mean that they have. And so while it sucks that there is no resolution or a thing that makes you at the end be like, man, that really stirred me, stirred something in me, but it still very much is realistic to, what you will see happen in a lot of churches that have that problem. So, yeah. Good point. And the black was the black Jesus crying <laughs> at the end. Yes. Yeah. I forgot yes. about that part. So, yeah. you know, just that last image kind of like, look, it's all bad and it's all just kind of sad, man. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, that's, that yeah. was definitely a thing that happened. Mm-hmm. But anyway, on that note, thank you guys for listening to this episode of the Cinema Slayers podcast. Check us out on the internet at www.cinemaslayers.com or Facebook, where Cinema Slayers podcast, or Twitter and Instagram, where we are Cinema underscore Slayers, or uh, TikTok, where Cinema Slayers pod, or YouTube, where we're Cinema Slayers podcast. Uh, shout out to Plug Migo and Mundo Ochoa for our theme song and logos, respectively. Uh, give us a five-star rating or review. We'd really appreciate it. Um, 
I don't think I did the time code description thing at the earlier. It's throwing me off when we're all like this. Uh, <laughs> but uh, on YouTube, subscribe. Hit the like button. Hit the little bell for notifications. If you just can't remember, we have new episodes on YouTube every Thursday morning. YouTube will tell you if you just tell it to tell you. Um, uh, 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 tell your family. Tell your friends. Tell your friends. Family, tell your family's friends. And most of all, tell those dear sweet mothers because... Dear sweet mothers love Sterling K. Brown. I'm going to say it for you. It's what I was going to say. So I know. That's fine. I know. Because that's what, that's what mothers <laughs> and. No other answer for this. Mothers and Sterlings like Sterling K. Brown. There's <laughs> no other answer this time. Pretty much. Yeah. It kind of makes me jealous that I'm not that Sterling. <laughs> 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 that man is a specimen. Anyway, uh. <laughs> You know, as I was in these TikToks, these YouTube videos, and this podcast, just remember, uh, according to Justin, Moon Knight, who did win a, an Emmy for at least sound editing, is also a Best Picture winner. It's the closest it'll get. Yeah, probably so. Although I must admit, whenever she dipped him in the water for his second baptism, he was under there an awfully long time, and people started laughing, and I was like, is she thinking about drowning him? And then I thought and the then, same thing. And then he came up and I was like, same. She yeah. thought about drowning him, but I right. don't think so. But it was <laughs> funny because I heard, I thought it and I heard people chuckling and I was like, they're thinking the same thing. Yeah. I'm thinking. I was thinking that too. <laughs> I did. And I did like the fact though, too, that they did all that shit of like, Oh, should it be amen? Amen. All this other stuff. They're like, are we going to take it again? Yeah. Just the real yeah. genuine part of it is nothing because they had to redo it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm yeah. like, because I thought that some of it was whatever, blah, blah, blah. But like just all of it, like 100% like, nah, this all bullshit. And the little girl that's like, I love theater. <laughs> that, yep. that, that was great. Yes. That was a great scene. <laughs> that was funny. She's doing all that shit. And like, you know, I heard or, you know, we heard about Adam and Eve and, you know, all this other stuff. Yeah. She starts dancing and singing in tongues and all that <laughs> shit. And then she's just like. I love theater. <laughs> I was like, that is fucking great. Oh, that was funny. Oh, this movie. Just remember, honk if you love Jesus. I wish I had a honking noise on yeah. the sound mm. the sound pad. Do I have anything that might be close? <laughs> I don't think that's quite right, but that's what I got. <laughs> Does that count as a honk for Jesus? I mean, if it's the closest you've got. <laughs> got crickets. Man, that cricket sound effects long. It's still going. Jeez, that's long. <laughs> What if I said rim shot for Jesus? <laughs> uh, now we're turning into a drive time morning show. Yep. <laughs> yep. Yeah, we're out.